right, and we're back with episode six with 2016 sharpshooter Ryan Oliver and myself, Connor Fenlon. Thank you to everyone who has supported this podcast so far. Make sure you continue to subscribe on our, all our podcast channels and our YouTube channel. Today we are joined by Sienna, graduate of 1997, a 1,000-point scorer, led the Saints in rebounding three straight seasons, an all-conference max selection, host of In the Paint podcast, and now serves as the president and co-founder of The Collective in L.A., Jeff Walker. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. Hey, Connor. What's up, man? Pleasure to be here. Ryan, incredible to see you, brother. I'm excited, man. So thank you guys for having me. Yeah, no, we really appreciate your time. Obviously, coming from L.A. a little bit earlier than where me and Ryan are, but we really appreciate it. You know, catch us up. How, how is this pandemic going for you over in L.A.? You know, it's been, uh, it's been interesting because we started um, quarantining way back in March um, with stay-at-home orders, and then from March literally till June, people were pretty much locked down and everything, and then you have to say, well, we'll call it, you have Memorial Day, and I think people started getting antsy um, around getting out, so whereas we started out flattening the curve, our numbers ticked up, I want to say, through summer um, a bit, through the 4th of July, and because of that, we fully haven't been opened um, fully, where you have some restaurants that are open for outdoor seating. Um, you can't, you, you got gyms that only the gyms that have outside, like CrossFit that are doing outside things are open. Um, and, you know, other businesses are kind of half open. So it's been interesting being locked into my loft in downtown LA. I've seen a few friends. I'm very um, selective on how many people I see, who I see, when I see them, make sure that they're negative. Um, as, as I am. So it's, it's been interesting. It's been, um, it's been an exercise in uh, mental toughness to say the least. Man, that's, that, that's real G walk. You know, I, I was in LA during quarantine and COVID when it first hit and man, it, it, everyone wasn't following, you know, the, the instructions and the rules. And, you know, unfortunately they were the ones who were getting sick and all. So I, I respect that of you for, you know, looking out for my the other fellow Los Angeles. <laughs> I, I, look, I started quarantining, I think we went stay-at-home orders were, were like March, like 15th. I had started my quarantine in my own personal stay-at-home, like on March 3rd, because I knew that this was coming down the pipe, and yeah. I was like, look, let me buy up, I bought as much food as I could possibly buy up, but I was good, like I really, not that this is something to be proud of, but it's at least you get to know what your personality is in, in challenging times, and I did not, I bought groceries probably on March 2nd. I did not go back to the grocery store for like 60 days. Oh, wow. were you using Instacart or just, you just stocked up? I stocked properly. I'm a very prepared guy when I need to be. And then I'm so ill-prepared on other things. So it is what it is. <laughs> nah, I feel you. How was, um, how was business, you know, going from kind of in-person and office space to, to having to go virtual? How was that transition for you? Um, the transition hasn't been too crazy. It's unfortunate. Um, part of my business with, um, so my company, The Collective, oversees, like, we help guide people in the sports and entertainment space. Um, and then part of our other business is part of my kickstand company, which does our event production. So we're doing event production for corporations as well as nonprofit organizations. We had, uh, we had four or five events that were lined up for April and May that, unfortunately, you know, it were canceled. Um, so that, that's a challenge. Um, and then you have to figure out, well, how do you generate um, opportunities for those same companies and those same nonprofit organizations? So, you know, we've moved to virtual, like everyone else has moved to virtual, doing virtual events, um, which is unique in a sense that producing an event from your couch is, is actually better. <laughs> um, <laughs> however, you're not 
generating the same amount of revenue, um, but it's, it's just a different experience. Uh, moving a lot of our conversation to Zoom, blue jeans, et cetera, et cetera, uh, has been, it's now the new normal. So if you would have asked me this question back in May, how does it feel? I'm like, it's strange. Now I'm like, it's, it's fine. It, it, you know, it's, it's, I get to see the people I need to see. I still get to do a little bit of business the way that we want to do business. Um, put a face to um, a meeting and it does cut out the random lunches and coffees and teas that you used to do pre-pandemic which you're almost wasting two hours you know sitting there trying to figure out if you can do business now it's short concise let's hop on a zoom and let's knock it out in 30 to 45 minutes so it's actually been more efficient i would say talk a little bit about how you know how, what went into starting your own company and uh, you know, you have a bond with Ryan Oliver, as we all know, you know, you, he, he still, and a lot of our podcasts, he talks about your mentorship and what, what it means. So what, what does like that mentorship mean to you to helping other people? Uh, look, I, I've only learned from other people who were my mentors, um, as I was, uh, you know, traversing through this world, um, going from, I went to prep school, like Ryan and I actually had a very similar um, Trek. So after Ryan got injured his senior year of high school, right? Um, yeah. At Loyola, you tore you tore your ACL, if I'm not crazy. Yeah, um, and he was battling back. And let me just let me just toot his horn a little because I know he probably doesn't get a chance to do it um, as much. But one of the best, he's one of the best shooters that um, I coached at the high school level. And he had he had a summer. We were at Fairfax, which is a which is a iconic public school basketball program they have an incredible summer league program out here in los angeles this dude i think and i think your knee was actually already messed up prior to us playing that game but you powered through this is going into his senior year i want to say he went nine for nine from the three-point line i mean it was something insane and he might have had like 35 just in a summer league high school game dude can shoot the hell off the ball and coaching him was a pleasure I used to always try to get him to run harder and get in better defensive stance, which is something that he, he got better at in college. But, but his, his help side and his weak side were not, were not you know, they were, they were not at Kawhi Leonard levels um, or Paul George levels, which those guys are playing not great right now. But anyway, um, they weren't they were at those levels back in high school. But to watch him um, go on to North Mount Herman, have a successful career there and get the opportunity to go, to see in a college. And when you talk about the mentor piece, you know, I've, I've been blessed to have a father and a brother and, you know, my mom who were very close to the family um, who were able to, you know, guide me. And I had a roadmap to follow an older brother who was three years older than me that went on to play at Holy Cross um, College. So you have those people that are in your corner that are going to look out for you, at least give you sage advice, whether you take it or not, it's up to you. Um, but when your roadmap was as strong as having an older brother by the name of Bill Walker, um, my life was much easier. I could kind of follow his path, take those steps on his path and know that I was going to end up in a, in a good place. Um, you know, on campus at Siena, I had a uh, gentleman by the name of Walter Kaczynski who uh, Walt looked out for me when Walt was a, you know, executive senior level guy at uh, UBS Payne Weber at the time. And he gave me some guidance as to what I should do uh, post basketball career and thought that I could be a successful financial advisor, stockbroker. Um, was kind enough to um, reach out to a few people that he knew in the industry. I was living in Boston at the time after I left Siena. 
and uh, got me an opportunity there, an interview there, which I did a, had a good interview. And then I, I really learned and cut my teeth in the business world um, in finance. And that was due in large part to um, Walter Kaczynski kind of having me go down that path. And looking at it, I thought I was going to go to law school. Um, my brother became an attorney. I thought I would be cool to do the financial world for a little while. So I did that. Um, had some success doing that in Boston. And through Boston, I transferred out to um, Los Angeles with, um, you know, talked to my mentor in Boston um, by the name of uh, Joe Mattia. said, Joe, I think I want to go to Cali. Um, I had a buddy out here in California who, ironically enough, was playing. Um, I played for the Lakers. He had played at UConn, um, a gentleman by the name of Travis Knight. Um, and we were uh, good friends. We played on the People of People all-star team back in college where we traveled uh, Amsterdam. This is when I was at Siena. Amsterdam, Belgium, um, Spain. Uh, and we just hit it off. We stayed in, in, in close contact. And then he ended up getting drafted by the Bulls and got traded to the Lakers, started his career at the Lakers with Kobe and Derek Fisher at the same time. He was already out there. I took a visit out to L.A., said, you know, if I could transfer, I'm going to go out to L.A. I always wanted to come to L.A. anyway. Um, and it just so worked out. I was able to transfer out here pretty seamlessly um, with some, again, good advice and good guidance from um, my mentor back in Merrill Lynch. and Because uh, I left UBS and went to Merrill Lynch, um, Merrill Lynch and transferred out here. And I've been here ever since. So I've, now I'm here 20 years, man, 20 years. And obviously my, my industry, my businesses have changed. But uh, it's been a great, great, great journey for me um, over two decades. Yes, sir. Like, <laughs> you all, man, you you hit on the head, man. We we had some great times, obviously, at Loyola together. Um, and it's yes, crazy. we did. <laughs> it's crazy. We would have won. A, look, we would have won a ring. We would have won another ring earlier if Ryan if Ryan doesn't get hurt. Without question, oh, our squad safe. was deep. We, we, we had probably five guys that ended up maybe playing college basketball, going on D1, whatever that was. Yeah. And then you had Joe Stein, <laughs> who decided not to play, but Joe could have played D1. Bucket. Um, <laughs> a bucket getter. And if we would have Ryan that year, without question. We went state. Without question. We, we would have won state. Yeah, we definitely would have won state for sure. And I'm not just saying that, but, like, we had two – section player of the years like co-player of the years and they both were like yo if you played you would have won you know like like they're just like yeah. yo, you played it would have been fair if we would have ryan because we would have we would have blitzed through yeah um the tournament for sure <laughs> for sure he was that good he's that good he, he won't say it but yeah. he was that he I, I really damn good i appreciate you g walk but uh but not nah, connor uh i mean jeff has been a tremendous mentor um you know, in my life, trying to piggyback on what he said. Like, he's, mm -hmm. you know, from the beginning, you know, my, my sophomore year at Loyola, um, Jeff was there. We met, had a close bond from there, and it's, it's just only grown. And even making a prep school move, having someone to relate to who did that. And the, the one thing I love about him, he's always a, a text or a phone call away. You know, no matter what time, whatever, hit my line, let's talk. Here's mm -hmm. my experience. Here's my, you know, two cents, advice. I'm going to support you, however, and that was, you know, tremendous. And even now, still to this day, like I, you can tell you during COVID, hey G Walk, <laughs> I got someone calling you. Hey G Walk, <laughs> what's your email? This is about to be sent over your way. So he, he's been incredible, and it's crazy because, like, even going back to high school, that that group of guys, like, so Jeff was assistant coach, uh, Moose Bailey, um, Toby Bailey's brother, assistant coach, and then Jamal Adams was the head coach, and those three 
to this day are tight as I don't know what. And we all know <laughs> each other, big bros. And, you know, those are my guys. How did you guys meet? That's what I want to know. Let's go back. How did, <laughs> so everyone listening, this is like L.A. basketball, Loyola High School, Jeff Walker, Bruce Bailey, Jamal Adams. How did the three of you guys connect and become as close as you guys are now? The, the funniest thing about it, it, it all goes back. It all goes back to hoops, man. Like literally. All right. So I'm on a I'm flying out from L.A. to New Jersey to Princeton, New Jersey for a Merrill Lynch training seminar with headquarters in Princeton, New Jersey. We're in the back of this van. OK, the van that was picking us up from from Newark Airport to go to drive us to Princeton, which might have been like a 45 minute ride um, from the airport. Well, the person that was in the back of the van was Jamal Adams, oh, wow. a, a coach Adams. So we just start just talking to gregarious dudes, um, <laughs> going to this training program. And we start talking like it literally shifted because we're both big guys. So it literally shifted the hoops immediately. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I played at Columbia University. I was like, okay, guys, we used to go down to Columbia and play, you know. He's, and I go, my brother actually played at Holy Cross. He's like, what years was your brother there? Because Jamal's two years older than me. So he's like, what year were your brother at Holy Cross? He's like, oh, he was there from like 89 to 93 or excuse me, 89. Yeah, it was 89. Yeah, 89 and 93. And he was like, well, what is, what's his name? I was like, Bill Walker. He's like, oh, my God. <laughs> I remember as a freshman trying to come in and guard your brother at Holy Cross. And this dude was giving me buckets <laughs> so we started laughing and once you start talking basketball especially right. collegiate basketball worlds just connect because it's such a small mm -hmm. world of people even you know guys that you play with or coaching the coaching tree like it's 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 small it's incestuous it's 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 great for you know networking and all those things so we just hit it off and then over that training program you know because i think he was only he was an assistant coach at loyal so he was he was working for Maryland on the trading desk. And then he was also an assistant coach at Loyola high school. And then when Jimmy, um, I'm losing Jimmy, who was a head coach at Loyola, Williamson. chose to Jimmy Williamson. Thank you. Chose to um, leave Jamal who went to Loyola high school, which Loyola, if you don't know, is tradition is like 155 years old. <laughs> West of the Mississippi incredible was known through the nineties as an incredible powerhouse for football. Um, basketball was always competitive, and I think when Jamal or when Jimmy got there, he started building out a more competitive program, and then when Jamal took over, we, we took it to the next level. Um, and Jamal had gotten hired there to – he left Merrill to teach econ and African-American studies at Loyola High School. He was like – my nickname is everybody calls me G-Walk out of Loyola. So um, he asked me, goes, yeah, G-Walk, do you want to help coach? And I'm a basketball head. So, of course, for me to be doing finance and have a moment to slip away from finance and just um, coach young kids um, was something that meant the world to me. as a great opportunity. Jamal gave him the opportunity. So we hit it off. Now, then you have, you have basketball connection royalty um, in Los Angeles. When you're good, you go to play college basketball. You, and if you're good in the city, you pretty much know everyone or everyone knows you in some capacity. And Jamal being the older head, he was basically big bros to, um, or is big bros to Toby Bailey and Moose Bailey, Toby Bailey and Ryan Bailey. Toby Bailey won the last national championship for UCLA um, back in 1995, went on to play in the NBA. Moose actually did a similar route to us, Ryan. Moose went to play 
uh, gosh, what preps? He went to prep school for a year and then went to Penn State and was like all Big Ten uh, rookie uh, team at Penn State, then transferred back to UCLA. So Jamal was telling me about this dude, uh, Moose, like maybe it's my second year or third year coaching at Loyola. Hey, you're going to love this guy. His name is Ryan Bailey. And he goes by Moose, though. He's Toby Bailey's brother. And I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. You know, whatever, whatever. Um, we meet, and it was literally just brotherhood immediately. One, our competitiveness is beyond, I think, our, our intellect and our, and our high level, um, our intellect just in general, but our high, our high level of intellect when it comes to the game of basketball. And we just, we, we formed this three-headed monster at Loyola um, of all D1 coaches that kids don't normally get a chance to play for D1 dudes who could tell them the story of how you get to that next level. And we became just tight and we built a program with us three all together. Jamal obviously being the steward, the captain of the ship, who's brilliant um, X and O guy, is a brilliant leader of men in general. Um, we fell in line and me and Moose as his assistant coaches um, added our two cents and our basketball um, acumen to the whole mix. And because of hoops, we just became brothers. We spent so much time together that it was family. I mean, we both were, you know, Jamal had known Moose since he was a little guy. Me being kind of newer to L.A. at that point, I guess five or six years here in L.A. at that time, um, you know, um, was in Moose's wedding. You know, I'm the, God, I'm the godfather to his daughter. Um, and he is family. And that just goes to show, like, the Loyola – the Loyola High School community here in Los Angeles is tremendous. I want to say it's second um, largest alumni base um, other than USC uh, here. And if you go to Loyola, you are literally a phone call away from some of the leading uh, people across multiple industries and business, whether that be real estate, whether that be law, um, whether that be finance, um, whether that be the big, the grove that was built by a Loyola person, you know, the big malls out here. And, and so it's a, it's a special place. Um, and because of that special place, it's allowed me to be able to coach and be a mentor to guys like Ryan, who, you know, who were good young men who, let's just be honest, didn't think we knew anything um, as we were initially coaching them. When you're a teenager, you think you know everything. And uh, ultimately, it's funny as they come as as they come back into our worlds as graduates of college and 24, 25, 26, 27 year olds now. It's like they're all, they all say the same thing. Yo, G-Watt, you guys are right, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you guys are right. Like, look, we, we were trying to tell you how it was going to be. <laughs> You thought you knew everything because you were in high school and you had all the answers. <laughs> the situation is, they all come back and they all say the same thing. Um, but I love it because they're all our little bros. You know, for me, it's being mid-40s now and Jamal being uh, mid-40s and, and Moose being early 40s. I mean, these are, these are our little brothers that, again, if they call, we pick up the phone immediately. Um, for whatever we can potentially help with as we're a little bit more seasoned or we're just we're not we're seasoned in the sense that we're just down the road further so we're down the road further in our career so let's reach back and let's help and let's give advice and we can give advice that's a long-winded answer to say no, it, it, I know exactly incredible. what you're talking about because you know when 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 these guys well I was a walk-on so I I was never a guy that's gonna you know play a lot of minutes but mm -hmm. I, I know those stories where you know the best player when they go to college everyone's the best player from their city you know it's like <laughs> It's it's like okay, you scored thirty a game. I score forty a game. It's like, right. 
there's only one ball at the end of the day. Who's going to, you know, you got to share the ball and get, so, you know, those stories are everywhere you go, but talk a little bit about, you know, you talked to touch a little bit on your family, but you know, Sienna basketball is a family as we all know. And now you're talking about your LA basketball family. So I think from, I'm, I might be putting this on you, but I think family is something that's really important to you and talk about, you know, keeping up with old teammates, you're talking about the LA basketball world. So what, how does that go for you? It's, um, you know, it's important to me. Like I've been, I've been blessed to have had a, a good career at Siena College and, you know, their consistency there, the consistency, maybe not of head coaches because things cycle through because Siena is the stepping stone college um, for any guy that comes through. They have success there. They're going to get a big time job. Their next job is a bigger program job um, typically. But the consistency has been John D'Arginio. Um, there and he's been there for for decades now and he and I speak fairly often and it always he keeps me connected with the Siena basketball family you know the blessing was that you know Ryan Ryan chose to go there so I could be more connected to the basketball program the years that he was there um, and then you know I was on a call um, with a, a bunch of guys that spanned from me being the oldest guy from <laughs> Um, 97 to Marcus Faison to Dwayne Archibald to, um, geez, who came after Dwayne? Prosper Caruanga, uh, who's Scott at Orlando. Um, I'm just running my head. Tommy, uh, uh, um, Jesus, uh, Rodney. Oh, who, where am I listening? Why am I missing uh, uh, Ronald Moore? Yep. Um, sure. um, Tay Fisher, um, obviously, and Coach Carm, yeah. <laughs> um, Tommy, um, all these guys who have all put their handprints on the program um, and you know, Scott Knapp and when we were on and Scott came on a recruiting trip when I was still on campus <laughs> and it was a beautiful thing to just get opportunity to reconnect with those guys because of what the family atmosphere is at Seneca College and stay connected with them because I hadn't you know these guys are younger than me so when I got the opportunity to be back on a zoom call with them and I look I follow the program of course it's a brotherhood. You play there at Siena, at Siena Saints for life. And it was just great to reconnect with them. And I'm, and I'm proud because I, I still talk to guys that I played with. Brian Bidlingmeyer, who just had a birthday a couple days ago, who was two years older than me at Siena. Um, Stu Downing, who's an extremely successful attorney in New York City. Um, and then my old roommate, Matt Aragale, um, who was a walk-on as well during my years. He and I were roommates through college. Um, these guys are still my brothers and it's, and if, and say we haven't spoken in like six months. Okay. Say we've spoken in a year. Okay. As soon as it's like, yo, a call, <laughs> then it's, it's, we're on the phone. Now the, the irony of all that is one of my dearest friends and literally my brother is Chris Wallace and Chris, look, he, he's my, like we were boys through college. Chris was a year younger than year or two younger years younger than me. Um, and I am, you know, his, his kids, they live in Los Angeles now. Chris is the chief operating, uh, chief communication officer for the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, and Chris was head manager at Siena when I was there. And Chris was, Chris is my brother. I mean, I was in Chris's wedding and, you know, I see Chris, geez, probably once a month. And when, when pre-bubble, pre-pandemic, you know, I'm at every Clipper game because of Chris's um, kindness of, of inviting me to those games. And... Chris and I, you know, I'm down at his house with the family in Manhattan Beach. His kids are basically my nephews. Um, so when you talk about Sienna, it is 100% a family, and that's a brotherhood 
um, that, that will be with me for the rest of my life and that I'm honored to be a part of. Um, and then I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I um, have had the opportunity to really stay in touch with many of the guys um, and be able to, you know, continue to grow our relationship from silly teenagers to now middle-aged men. Nah, that's, that's real, man. Like, even though I just graduated, you know, a recent grad, it's like, man, we'll go a year, a year four months, whatever, talking. But as soon as that phone rings or that FaceTime comes through, it's, it's all love. It's all right down memory lane. Like, it's, you, you know how it is. Connor's over there smiling. He's like, yeah, it goes. <laughs> it's a blessing. It is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's something about that, that, that connection, that Sienna connection that's, you know, that's tremendous. So the Sienna connection is like that, is deep. And like the Loyola High School connection is just like that. Yeah. And because here in L.A., it's even deeper. I'm out here in L.A. and living here. It's, it's literally the I, – I, di I, I went to school in Kalamazoo, Michigan. I damn near feel like I went to Loyola High School because I, when, I, when I chime in on Loyola things, Loyola basketball, it's like C4L. I'm like cup for life. <laughs> I, didn't even go, I didn't even go to Loyola. But that's much love. I get. And, and, you know, if I wear my Loyola, my, my Loyola little hoodie on earlier – Mm -hmm. And the love that you get from just Los Angeles, people are like, oh, you went to Loyola? Oh, you're a Cub? Oh, well, you know, you have it opens up doors and conversations that you typically would not have going to other schools here outside of USC and UCLA and probably Harvard Westlake. Yeah. Um, but we don't want to talk about them. Yeah. <laughs> we don't mention them, Connor. That's the enemy. <laughs> yeah, that's the enemy. So let's switch it up, G Walk, just a little bit. So everyone yeah. knows, you know, your successful career at Siena Hoop Wise. Uh, what many don't know is how successful you were at soccer as well. Um, talk mm -hmm. about growing up playing soccer, and did you have the decision to make if you're going to follow the hoop dream or a soccer dream? And let's hear about yeah, it. Yeah, and you know, you, you try to live life with no regrets, right? So here's the thing: I was a better soccer player than I was basketball player, and I was obviously a pretty good basketball player. But my soccer, I was savant-like because one, I was six foot probably four then wiry though 180 pounds and I had um my footwork and my ability to dominate defensively and offensively soccer basically playing the whole entire field um offense and defense playing the center halfback and stopper position um it allowed me the opportunity to you know I traveled I traveled the globe with soccer and I also you know I went down and tried out for the national team multiple times um I was uh I was recruited by many big-time Division One soccer programs. So if you're going to call the top basketball programs in the country, the Blue Bloods, like the North Carolinas, the Dukes, mm -hmm. um, the Safe, let's keep it East Coast, um, Syracuse, um, you know, some of the other big names, um, the Yukons. I was that level for soccer. So for me, I was getting recruited by Indiana University, San Diego State, University of Wisconsin, um, those are teams that in the early 90s were winning national championships consistently. And I was recruited. My coach um, for my Olympic development team was a gentleman by the name of Jim Launder. And uh, Jim wanted me to come to play soccer at University of Wisconsin. And at the time, Stu Jackson was the head basketball coach there. And I had known Stu through gentleman by the name of Doug Collins, who coached the Bulls back in the day. Um, I used to go to Doug's uh, camp in Chicago. Doug was, you know, always was, was trying to help me get recruited basketball-wise. I was mid-major talent basketball-wise. Um, but um, 
I would have gone to Wisconsin if they would have let me play two sports. So Stu and his group were like, we like them. They weren't going to give me a full ride. I was going to get my money on the soccer side um, and then get some bucks from the um, basketball side to make it all work. Um, but it was the time commitment that it would have taken for me to play soccer, which was a fall sport um, in the Big Ten, and then try to transition into soccer or try to transition to basketball would have been really tough to do. I would have done it. I would have <laughs> done it. Um, but I didn't get that opportunity to do it. So my soccer career ended, ended prematurely. Um, and I would, I would say, and look, this is – I'm going to – I might – sound crazy because it's tooting my own horn but I like I'm I'm not cocky in basketball basketball is good okay soccer I was really really damn good and I, and if, and if, and by the way if the professional leagues of soccer during my era would have been bigger like if MLS would have been a bigger thing it was just starting it was in its infancy back in the early 90s I maybe would have chosen a different career um but uh, hands down I would have been able to play over in Europe and play at a very high level in Europe I was a very I was a savant on the soccer field and I miss I miss that. So when I when I watch it, I watch soccer. I'm a Premier League guy. I watch soccer all the time, mm-hmm. and I'm like, man, if I had to do it all over again, <laughs> <laughs> would I go play uh, college soccer? Maybe. And my look, I had an older brother who was good, who was really good at soccer as well. He could have gone to play at Indiana University. So we both were two poor two sports stars um, in soccer and basketball growing up, and I miss it. I miss playing it. Um, and I'm cocky about soccer because I was really damn good. <laughs> was there was there any any talks of you playing soccer at Siena also? Yeah, yeah. Mike Dean wouldn't let me though, so <laughs> um, so I got on campus because I was like, maybe I should just keep this going. So one of the, I forgot the coach uh, the coach of the soccer team at the time, but he knew my story. He was like, man, can we get Jeff to play soccer? And Mike wasn't having it. So Mike, um, you know, same thing as like Stu. Mike was like. No, nope, not gonna happen. And I, you know, I, I got on campus and I was running, I was damn near running cross country preseason stuff for basketball. But I used to play intramural soccer in the off season. Uh-huh. <laughs> the light up people. So all the soccer guys, so all the soccer team, which I loved, uh, what was my man Tommy? Oh, forgetting other guys. There are soccer guys there, but. I used to play on the intramural team, and I, they knew I was nice. So they would pick me up, and I played intramural soccer in the spring, and I scored goals. I was like, yo, I'm, I'm nice at this. It's what I do. I'm a soccer player, fellas. So anyway, thanks for bringing me down memory lane on that. Uh, of course. Of course. <laughs> what, was it, uh, what, what was it about Sienna that made you want to go to you – know, had, had you ever been to Albany before? Or was, you know, I had not. Um, I was at New Hampton School. Uh, they started recruiting me. I was getting recruited. Like, you know, like most kids, when you're at prep school, you get a couple of the, like, super big fish. So I was getting recruited, like, Vanderbilt, um, a little love from BC. But I was, like, the third recruit at Vanderbilt. Like, somebody was going to not go. And then another big was going to have to, like, not go. And then, yeah, we got you. <laughs> you know, that type of thing. So that didn't happen, um, obviously. And but when I stepped on campus, I saw the program that Sienna had already built tradition-wise. Um, Mike Dean, who's still my guy, like I talk to Mike every now and then, and Mike really, really did a great job of putting Siena on the map to allow for the tradition to continue to build from the late 80s into the early 90s. And my host was a gentleman by the name of Stu Downing, who's still my brother. 
Um, and I really clicked with Stu. Stu reminded me of my older brother. I got on campus and I saw my recruiting trip. I saw the, uh, the facilities downtown. You know, at the time it was something, what's, is, it, is it back to the Times Union Center? What is it now? Yeah, I forgot the name. Center, yeah. All right, so, so it was a Pepsi, mm-hmm. I think, when I was there. Um, so, so I went down there and saw that. Then I saw on campus that gave, that gave me Cameron indoor vibes. And then, <laughs> and then I knew, like, tradition-wise, they had just come off a great year, and they had this point guard by the name of Doremus Benneman, who was bananas, bananas. <laughs> and um, I was like, hell, if I can come here, I think I can come here and play right away. And Bob Byer at the time was my was assistant coach um, who recruited me to come. Bob, ironically enough, ended up going to Wisconsin going into my freshman year. So he wasn't even around my freshman year. Um, and from that, I got on campus, man, because I just enjoyed I enjoyed the community. It was a small community that had that played mid-major basketball, but it felt like you're playing big time basketball. You guys know. And um, it was just in, in the academics. I knew I could get a liberal arts degree. I knew I could go on and get a poli sci degree. Um, if I wanted to go and stay in the capital region area, I could have easily done that. Uh, it was just a great community. And the, like the love that you get as a Siena college basketball player, um, even when things, even when you're not winning, it's pretty phenomenal for a young person to um, have that, that community supports you in that way. And uh, so it was a no brainer for me. It's a big kudos to Mike Dean and Stu Downing and the tradition that was built there um, on that campus, even when I arrived. And, um, you know, I was immediately smitten with it and <laughs> signed, you know, as soon as I had a chance to sign when I got back. Nah, you, you hit it right in the head. Sienna has that, that big time basketball feel. Like you, yeah. you run out, we talked about it in another pod. We run out there and the crowd, the, the the cheerleaders, the dancers, like the TV, the cameras, like it's it's big time basketball, man. You're in a big time arena and this it's this is great. It's nothing like it, that's for sure. There's nothing like it. And like then you get to be part of the community. Like we used to go visit the children's hospitals, we used to go visit all the, the elementary schools in the community, you know, the commercials that run on TV that you're doing as well. Um, you're visible when you walk around the community. So with visibility comes responsibility at the same time. So you have to be responsible in nature, but I still made it to DAPS often. Um, <laughs> and O'Flaherty's in my era. Um, Michael's, a bunch of other spots over in Rensselaer. And you know, we had it at Troy. Um, but, uh, you know, it was a beautiful experience for the four years that I was there. Like, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And, you know, ironically, things that we might talk about, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but for me, being able to connect the dots was after I left school and then you guys know, you may or may not know, but um, I grew up with Derek Jeter and his family um, in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And, you know, to be able to, a full circle moment for me was to be able to, with John Darginio and the board of trustees that were on campus at Siena, to be able to um, create a scholarship program, the Turn 2 program, and allow for kids who participate in uh, Turn 2 Foundation, Derek's Foundation, um, in New York City, and at the time, Kalamazoo, Michigan, and Tampa, Florida, to create a scholarship program that Derek would accept a doctorate of humane letters um, to, the, to the school. A kid that we grew up playing AAU basketball together. We were cross-town rivals in basketball as well in high school. And to come back 20 years later mm-hmm. and have his family and my family on campus at Siena College was like mind blowing in a lot of ways um, because 
I don't think if you would have asked Derek and I in 1992, 93, like, hey, you're going to both be in New York um, after he has, has, has had a Hall of Fame career <laughs> and you're going to be in, on campus at Siena College doing a leadership conference for his foundation where his mom and dad are on campus, Derek's on campus, then you have 200 other kids that are from Kalamazoo in New York City um, on campus at the school that I went to. And then we create this beautiful scholarship that allows kids to go to Siena College with um, room, board, tuition covered for them. And then impact, these kids in the Turn 2 Foundation are tremendous. So they impact the community just as soon as they step foot on there. If you would have told me that in 1992, 93, that that was going to happen, if me and Derek would have been I'm like, no, that doesn't even make, no, that doesn't even make sense. But it did. And it's one of the things that I'm, I'm most proud of, um, of having that bond and that family relationship at Siena College. Because if John Darginio isn't at Siena College, I don't know if that conversation ever happens with me because it would take an athletic director or someone in administration to like really look through and say, oh, let's go back and let's see, oh, Jeff and Derek know each other. Oh, Derek's a prodigal son of the Yankees, you know, and, and a legend, you know. Um, how do we make something, you know, it wouldn't have been that. So it's incredible that, that we were able to figure out a way to connect the Yankee world and Derek Jeter and his sister Charlie Jeter and mom Dot and father Charles Jeter and now you know Jalen Jeter who's geez I think Jalen might be eight or nine now but he was a little baby then when they accepted the scholarship um or when when Charlie came up and gave a commencement speech in 2012 you know those are amazing things amazing memories that I've been blessed because of my my network and my respect for families that I've known who for whatever reason, I've always shown the Walker family a tremendous amount of respect because my parents are, were incredible people in Kalamazoo. It's a small community. Um, I tried to live uh, the right way and be a good young role model when I was a teenager in Kalamazoo. Derek was the exact same. Um, tremendous basketball player, by the way. Tremendous basketball player. Could have easily played Division One basketball player. Um, uh, and then, obviously, his baseball speaks for itself. Did I, did I know he was going to be a first battle Hall of Famer? Damn near unanimous. No, um, but I knew that his work ethic and how he carried himself on and off the court was something to uh, aspire to and be inspired by. And a lot of the work that I do philanthropically is purely because of Derek and seeing what he's been able to build and understand that I have a smaller, I have a small platform, but it's a platform nonetheless, that no matter what you do, you have to be doing things to help um, our youth um, get an opportunity and be a, be a mentor to those youth as best as you can to help get them on the right path and guide them. And Derek and his family um, have done a incredible job of really being the, 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 the litmus test of what greatness means and how you use your platform to be not only an athlete, but also a great humanitarian and someone who impacts the community, whether it's Kalamazoo, whether that's New York, whether that was Tampa, which used to be his off-season home, to now what he's doing down in Miami. It's tremendous. Um, and I'm blessed to know them as a family. And they, and they, you know, they inspire me all the time. So, so you're, you're, you're one of the reasons I can, I can say I graduated with Derek Jeter because I, I was in the class of 2012. So I still tell, oh, people, I tell, people, I tell people I graduated with Derek Jeter. And then their first question is, well, how is he to hang out at DAPS? I so I graduated with them. I said, that, that's what it is. I don't got to tell you any other stories. I said, right. you're on the same graduation team, but 
talk talk a little bit about you know having a relationship like that and a guy like that how do he motivate you to want to be better everything that he's done and how he has carried himself um, from the first time when he got drafted, uh, which was 92. And I remember calling his house back when you, you know, had the phone book. You guys don't even know about phone book, but calling this house and his mom answered the phone. She's like, you want to talk to him? I'm like, yeah. So I was like, yo, gee, <laughs> congratulations, man. And uh, hurry up and get to the, I remember saying, hurry up and get to the big league because I'm going to be in New York was basically like what the conversation was. Um, and, and that was prior to me going to prep school, actually, because I was going to go – I thought I was going to go to St. Peter's, but um, I didn't. So, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And, 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 you know, watching him from his rookie, rookie year, rookie league um, ball to how quickly he was able to get to the majors was unbelievable. And – when I was – so we had just come off an NIT run, and Derek was playing for the Albany Colony Yankees um, at the time. And and I used to, he used to leave me tickets, so I used to go kick it over at the field out there by the airport. Um, and then we would literally, like, go grab, like, Whoppers at Burger King um, on Wolf Road. I want to say it's Wolf Road um, out there across from the Colony Mall or whatever it is over there. So – um, cause he would stay out. What's the other mall that's out there? Yeah, Colony Mall. But you got the one that's a little Cross bit farther gates. away. Cross, yeah, you get Crossgates. Cross yeah, yeah, Crossgates. So he would stay out by Crossgates. Um, and he was only like literally, he was only there. Jeez, maybe maybe a month. Like <laughs> insane amount of time. He already got called the Triple A. But this is what's funny. And I probably have said this story before, but I'll, I'll say it again. So in high school, Derek used to knock down three-pointers like crazy. Um, and he was high-level athlete, as everyone knows, but he used to jump out the gym too. This dude hit a game winner as a sophomore over my outstretched hands at Kalamazoo Central. Portage versus Kalamazoo Central. Um, the ball went out on one of his teammates' legs, but the refs got the call wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and Derek uh, – has always had a flair for the moment and no moment's ever been too big for him. So as a sophomore, he had a game winner over my man. It was outstretched hands. He rose up above and knocked it down. Um, and I laugh because then I saw him. It might've been his first game with Albany, Albany Connelly Yankees. He bottom of the ninth fights off the pitching hits a bloop single over the first baseman's head and scores and, 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 and brings in the, um, the winning run on his first game. And then so when you see everything that he did throughout his career, never being fearful of any moment, it just it, it makes me chuckle because I'm like, this dude has been doing that since high school, if not middle school, and if not youth sports, by the way. Um, <laughs> So no moment's ever been too big for him. And it's, it's tremendous that he was able to do it at the, at the largest stage possible. And then to already know that he wanted to have greater impact in the community and start to turn to foundation um, and always carry himself with, with, with grace and humbleness um, because his family is such that if he ever tried to get too big for his britches, they would definitely check him on that. So that was never going to occur. 
But to, to be able to do that in New York City, there, there, there's no one. I guess Lou Gehrig, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, that had the spotlight on him at a young age and able to handle himself and be a polite human being and do some incredible things for obviously the Yankee organization. Um, it's unreal. It's unreal. And, and he's still, uh, you know, he's, uh, what is Derek, six months older than me or so. But I still look up to him. I'm, thankfully, I'm blessed to be on the board um, because he, he carries himself properly. He does things the right way um, without fanfare. We've done, you know, I, we, we did a, we did a, I helped do a little Las Vegas retirement party for him back in 2014. We did some things at Tau. Um, that we didn't even, that, that we didn't, that was not promoted. Um, the reason why I wasn't promoted, Tao wanted, to, wanted it to be promoted. Tao wanted to, you know, give him a big check to show up mm-hmm. and do all these other things. And, um, Derek was like, I don't need any of that. Nope. I don't need any of that flair. I don't need any extra stuff at all. I just want to go come in, hang out with my friends and move and, and go on from there. Like that's the type of guy he is that a lot of people, He's not, he's not from this era in a sense that people want to show you all the great things that they do and look at me, look at me, look at me. Um, and his humbleness is something that will always be um, tremendously respected um, by me and millions of other people. And, you know, I think when people talk about some of the greatest athletes who've ever played a sport over the last 30, 40 years, that dude represents everything you want your young uh, son or daughter to become as they become adults and when they're done with their career and whatever their respective careers, if it's sports or if it's technology, you want your kid to be a humble human being, just like Derek carried himself so well, Charlie, who runs the organization on a day-to-day basis. They're tremendous. And it, you know, it's a testament to the, to the parents, Charles and Doc. So. Yeah. He's a goat for a reason. And like you said, (laughs) on, on the field and off the field, that that's amazing to hear. But I have a bone to pick with you, G walk. I didn't even know when I got to Siena that you were res- the connection for Derek Jeter. I had to find out through Darge <laughs> that you were the plug that connected the two. So I guess you're a humble being yourself because you knew I was going there and you didn't even let me know or pump your own horn. But let's talk about also how the family has <laughs> enjoyed yourself and, and kind of what you've helped with them with. I know, um, I think it was 20... 20- had to have been 18. You actually invited me to um, a book signing for Derek's uh, oh. sister. And it was, it was, at, it was at your, um, at your job, at your workspace. You guys yeah. were doing an event. Talk about how, you know, the relationship has really journeyed on from working with, with Derek and coming to Siena and the program to now helping out the family and other uh, different aspects. Yeah. Um, first of all, sorry that I didn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it. Appreciate it. But, but, but that, but, as that's just me though like it's, 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 and that's what i said the humble being yourself too I, I you know i've been i've been blessed to do some cool things I, I have some cool relationships and i and i treat those relationships with such um respect that for me it's never been hey let me tell you i know this person let me tell you what i did like if you want to find out what i did hopefully you'll ask the right questions and then you find <laughs> out what i've done um and it look, it could be, by the way, it could be a detriment to my business. Maybe my business would be 10 times bigger if I was talking and tooting my horn. Mm-hmm. And I get that. But 
I think people trust me so much because that's not who I am. Yeah. I don't, I don't need attaboys. I don't need people's validation because I, I, have, I have parents. Like, at the end of the day, I'm still trying to make my parents proud. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's the main thing. Um, to answer your question and how the, how the relationship has continued to grow, um, it grows because of the work that the family does with the youth in New York and in Kalamazoo and in Florida. And they are always on the cutting edge of how do we continue to impact? How do we keep on growing our youth Jeter's leaders to impact these different um, programs that they do, whether they're visiting colleges, whether they're spending time out in, um, in the respective communities and helping clean up and, 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 you know, they have to abstain from alcohol. Um, they have to uh, carry a 3.0 grade point average in order to become a Jeter's leader. So, They've done a great job of just being incredible stewards to what it means to be impactful and leaders in your community that starts at a, at, as a freshman in high school as long as you get in. Um, within that, I think that for, for Charlie and I, like, I, I don't speak to Derek very often unless it's at a board meeting or at the fundraiser. Like, we don't, I don't want to make it seem like we talk every day because we don't. Um, but I, I talk to Charlie every other month maybe on just different things or we just check in in general like what's going on yo i saw i saw what you posted on Jalen, who Jalen, her son look man this dude <laughs> this dude from athletics to just level of intellect man really? he energy you can't tell me it's not like this dude is gonna be something special um but so Charlie and I just talk and whatever whatever's going on whether it's nonprofit for turn two or whether it's just business in general we do a very good job of keeping each other in the loop for what's going on um whether that's you know quick dms or um quick texts to one another uh obviously with the players tribune if there's anything that's ever going on in the players tribune and I think that I might be able to you know be a value add to them in some capacity I I, I send them I send Charlie a note um vice versa um they do the same thing for me uh you know I, I tell this story every now and then as well. Like the one guy who Derek looks up to is my brother. Um, and that's from Dr. Jeter, Charles Jeter's father, taking Derek to some watch my brother play basketball and how my brother, you know, navigates, uh, navigated the world. Um, and, you know, the funny thing is like me and my brother went to a foundation dinner years back and Dr. Jeter was he, he, he literally in New York City at the Sheraton, New York City on like 57th or whatever. It's packed. We're at this table. He sees my brother. He hasn't seen my brother in a minute. And um, he's like, look, everyone, I know you guys are here for Derek, but this dude right here, Bill Walker, was the <laughs> guy, was the man. And it's just, it's just funny. So that's me. We talked about mentorship to kind of bring it all around. We talked about mentorship, but Jeter family and I, we continue to try to, I continue to try to find different ways to continue to stay involved as a board member of the foundation. Um, and, uh, you know, Charlie does a great job of keeping me in the loop of things and what's going on. So it's one of my favorite, it's one of my favorite relationships that goes back to being a teenager. And I'm blessed to have that relationship. Nah, I can't say I really know anyone that famous, so you know, kudos, kudos to you. But as you said, it's not it's about no, not 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 about knowing them, but what what you, you can do to help them because they can help you in any way possible. Change up gears wow. a little bit. I want to talk a little. Obviously, we went to Siena. We want to talk a little bit about Siena. Um, 
I've read a couple articles about you just, you know, get to know you a little bit. And I, you were a thousand point scorer, but you said offense was never really your game. What, what was it about defense that made you buy in? Was it, was it to get on the court quicker or what, what was it about the defensive end of the game? Yeah, I think, I think when, you're, um, when you're young, as you guys know, and you're trying to find minutes, like, look, and they already have an established person in front of you. Like, the first way they find ways to get on the court is you, if you can guard someone, the coach has to find time for you. And when I stepped on campus, um, for me, in order for me to play, because there was a guy that was ahead of me by the name of Mike McGee, um, who was a junior when I was a freshman, but he had a knee injury. Um, so I kind of got thrown into this mix pretty early. And I had to, like, it wasn't about me. I, I came from prep school averaging, like, 27 a game. Um, so I could score. But in order for me to play at the next level and play right away, I had to shift my game. We already had, we already had three dudes. We had Doremus who could get a bucket. We had <laughs> Stu who could get a bucket. We had our big man, Matt Grass. Rest in peace, Matty just passed um, back in the summer with complications to his already um, precondition that he had, but um, to COVID as well. Um, but Matt was a scoring big and they didn't need me to shoot. <laughs> so, so I, uh, but I knew I could defend and I always, I always could defend really well. Um, and look, a testament to my footwork was purely because of soccer as well. Um, so Mike Dean gave me a chance and I, uh, I remember being at Maris against the Red Foxes and I had hit two clutch free throws to ice the game away. And at that point, I never I, – I, I was Mike's guy, basically, from that point on. Um, and I, I think I – I, I don't think I started – I didn't start maybe the first two or three games of my career. But by, like, the fourth to fifth game, I was starting. And that – and I never stopped starting um, for the rest of my career. But I hung my hat on defense. And, look, I probably should have I, – I, I could have scored more, I suppose, but I was, I was just trying to win, man. And we didn't win a lot my last couple of years there. Um, but one thing I was going to do, I was going, I was going to lock you up. Period. Me in um, freshman year, icon, you know, you know, iconic score by a kid by the name of Travis Best, who went on to play at Georgia Tech, who played in the league for like 12, 15 years, locked him up. <laughs> locked freshman. He was a senior, junior, and was not. Nice. Next round, NIT was a guy by the name of Gerald Honeycutt, played in the league. Again, 6'8", dude. Travis was maybe 5'11", 6 feet. So I guard a point guard. Next game, I guard a lanky small forward. Um, next game, I guard um, Candace Parker's brother. Um, I'm losing his first name. He played in the league. Shooter as well. And I locked – yeah, I was locking him up a little bit. And then I had to guard Kerry Kittles. Oh. <laughs> that was a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was gonna say I didn't hear the word "locked up" like confident like the other ones. <laughs> the problem, man. I've never had somebody come off so many screens ever. Um, and that's why that Villanova squad went on to like be super competitive. Carrie's maybe sophomore year, but they went on to do some things like after that. And um, Carrie was Carrie played in the league for you know 12, 13, 14 years with the Nets. Um, Yo, he was ridiculous. That was one of the fastest dudes, like, coming off the screens. That sounds like, oh, this is another level right here. Um, and then there's this other dude who had just scored. Dude, Skia Jones was at Kansas State, and he had just scored, uh, like, 55. And Doremus 
had also like put up many of points in that NIT run and I had to guard Ski Jones and uh and I laugh and said Knox like yeah I held Ski to 35. <laughs> <laughs> uh Remus went on and had like he might have like 38 so he ended up getting the NIT record but it wasn't because I did any locking up of Ski that dude could just score he was a bucket again he played in the league too for a little bit um, but you know, I was a freshman trying to play these dudes and lock these dudes up, and I, I, I played my role pretty well. And um, you know, and then my my role kept on expanding year after year after year after that. So you know, I think my career high might have been twenty eight or twenty nine or whatever against Rhode Island. Um, but I scored buckets like my last my last two years there. I scored a lot then, but we lost a lot, so I wasn't. You know, I'm not happy about it, quite honestly. <laughs> not for sure. You and it's. You, you mentioned it. You said that you and Dean, you became his guy, um, you know, after that special run um, when, when Coach left. There, there's rumor, apparently, if I look back in the pro board, the Siena pro board enough that you potentially were going to shake and, and leave Siena. You were out the door. Yeah. One foot in, yeah. one foot in. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was just about <laughs> Well, so Mike, Mike, like, to this day, I'm still Mike's guy. Um, <laughs> and Mike has since done coaching now, retired, living in South Carolina. But Mike and I had a really good relationship, and he trusted me. So um, after my solid camp, freshman campaign, uh, after my sophomore year, we had lost. Um, Stu had gotten hurt. He was in and out injured. Brian Bidley and I was in and out injured. Maddie was in and out injured. Like all those guys that we thought were going to, you know, be able to build a real foundation with my sophomore year, like we didn't, it didn't pan out that well. And I had worked, um, you know, I worked summer camp and me and Mike stayed in touch and my brother, um, I stayed in touch with Mike also. And, um, you know, I was, man, I went to camp at Marquette. I loved it. It was a vibe because it was Midwest. Um, it was, you know, four hours from my family. I'm in Milwaukee and, um, it would have been a good look. And they played, they played downtown at the Bradley center down in Milwaukee, a little bit bigger time basketball. Um, bigger program and I knew and it with, with tradition and plus I knew once I got done my freshman year and I got done my sophomore year I was like yeah I can play at a like I can play like most guys who play division one mid-major they can play at the next at a, at a higher um, level it's just the difference between mid-major and higher levels like they happen to have four six three six ten dudes two six eight dudes you know a pg that might be six five and everybody else is like six, 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 seven. You just have just – it's just a height thing more than it is anything else. Yeah. And mid-majors known for like if your guards can go, you got a chance no matter what. Um, and that's why Skinner's been so good with Kenny to, you know, Ron Moore, all those guys, and Tay, those dudes are guards that could just flat out go. So, um, I was ready to go, sorry, I'm ready to go, to go to Marquette. Literally, my head coach had caught wind of it. I was still – I was at summer school. And I caught wind of hearing about this, calls me in the office, um, Bob Byer calls me. And I was like, so, you know, we're hearing that you're thinking about leaving, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yes, yeah, it's true. <laughs> well, we're, you know, we got, we got an opportunity to do some really incredible things here, you know, long and short of it, you know, we're, you're an integral part of this program. Um, and he sold me. He got the last word, so he sold me on staying. Um, you, the, as long as you want to get the last, you got to be the last presenter. Um, and, and, and I ended up staying. 
and I'm glad I did for what everything else that's come out of like the CNF family. I'm super like it all worked out the way it was supposed to work out. But you know, Mike, 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 and I were speaking after Matt Grass passed, and Matt, Mike was like, Jeff, you would have definitely played big time minutes for me at Marquette. You would have <laughs> had an impact at Marquette. But he said, but he goes, he goes, he said this, and it's and it's the truth. He's like, but the priorities of what the type of kid that we recruit there versus the types of kids that were at Siena, he's like, you chose to do the right, you stayed, you did the right thing. Um, not that those kids are, are, are bad kids, but it's just, it's, it's a different thing. Like it's basketball, 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 basketball. Whereas at Siena, you get that well-rounded, I think uh, overall life experiences thing. Um, that was, that would have been different. So um, I'm glad I stayed, you know, I don't think the Derek Jeter turn two scholarship happens if I leave and go to Marquette. Yeah. Um, uh, and my experience at Siena was fantastic and it allows me to still have a great relation with the school. And I'm so glad that I, that I chose to, uh, ultimately stay. And I know I, look, I, I, I hoop enough now, you know how it is. You hoop enough now or my younger, my mid twenties while I still put a hurting on dudes and they're like, where'd you go? Well, I'm like, Siena. Like, oh, where's that? I'm like, Albany, New York. I was like, small mid-major program. But I would give buckets. Some dudes I work at UConn's camp, give dudes buckets. You know, I will work Marquette camp, give dudes buckets. So I, you, just for your ego, you just want to know that you can handle what you can handle and you can handle at the top level. And I proved to myself that I could do that. So it's fine. No regrets at all. Soccer. <laughs> yeah. You could have, you could have played. Maybe, maybe you could have. After Coach Dean left, you could have just said, "You know what? I'm just going to play soccer at Siena. <laughs> I'm, I'm done." <laughs> right? I should have done that actually. <laughs> uh, once, once Coach Dean left, uh, what was the, you know, what was the hardest transition for you personally for playing for a new coach? Losing. <laughs> Man, we took some elves. Yeah. Like. Um, and it's funny um, because the coach that came in, Bob, after me, I have, I have a great relationship with Bob. Um, I have nothing but respect for him. He was trying to – he moved from – you know, it's hard moving over one chair. Yep. He was an incredible, incredible uh, what they would call now associate head coach. Um, but when you become that head coach, it's a different, it's a different limelight. Um, the spotlight is way brighter on you. And I think we also had – I don't think he anticipated – you know, having as many injuries as we had with our, with our seniors that were that year. I was a sophomore and our seniors were injured. And so he had to bring in a bunch of young dudes that were, that he had recruited or that he, yeah, he had recruited them um, to come in and, 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 and play right away. And they weren't ready. And so I'm a sophomore um, playing with a bunch of young dudes and our, and our, our KG veterans who I thought I was going to be starting with weren't able to play in and out of the lineup. And that's hard to do your first year as a college head coach. And we struggled. And that struggle for me was, um, was difficult because it's funny. I had gone and played um, in a people-to-people all-star team between my freshman and my sophomore year, which it takes top guys kind of on the East Coast to go play. And I had tweaked my knee. I had torn my MCL. Um, so I wasn't even really back to full strength until, like, December. So – I was dragging. Was that sophomore year or was that junior? I can't remember. But either way, I was dragging. And and injuries derail an entire season. I mean, Ryan, you battled through a lot of injuries and that naggingness, and it's, it's hard to get back. Um, and 
you know, sadly, Bob had a challenge in run because guys couldn't stay healthy his first year. Then we got super young after that where, uh, man, I think my junior year and senior year, it was like me and like a sophomore and then like three freshmen starting. Like, man, not going to win a lot of games. Yeah. But that group went on to win a bunch of games. Like, what you so – they were able to play a lot, mature a lot, and then Paul Hewitt came in and uh, and uh, righted the ship, and then the program went back the other direction, like tradition again, winning again. Yeah. Um, but, man, I still don't feel good about it. <laughs> I had a good career, but I wanted to win more. I thought I was going – I thought I was, the NIT was my freshman. I thought I was going to go to the tournament the next three years, 100%. And I trained like I was going to go to the tournament. Um, I got better as a shooter. I got better as a scorer. I got better as a player over those next three years. Um, but we just didn't win a lot. And that, that hurts thinking back on it. Yeah, I mean, man, it's – I know from my time dealing with injuries. You know. Myself as a Saint, um, our team dealing with injuries, is, it's tough when you count on those guys to, to produce and be, play a big factor, a big role in the season. And, you know, obviously it doesn't end up going that way. Um, it's, it's, it's tough to adjust and it's tough to move forward. But like you said, Sienna always finds a way to, to get back to their winning ways. They do. And, and that, that's for sure is the truth. What, um, talk about playing at the Pepsi, you know, like what, what we always say is the big time experience. What, um, big what really time. got you going? Was it lights, the TV cameras? Like what, what really kind of just got you going in that moment to go hoop and, and play as hard as you can? Man, whenever you go downtown, it is a different vibe. It was just like, it was the right, it's the better, like the bus ride downtown. It's like, <laughs> downtown, you're walking to the, and it's the arena. So you're, you're, the bus pulls in, lets you off and you go in the back and you know, you got the locker room set up for you back there. You know, when you, when you, when you look through the tunnel, you see the court off in the distance, yeah. like, and, and the lights are on the court. It, it's just everything that you have dreamt of as a kid that you want to play in. So that was as exciting. So we get there early, you know, you got Hammer taping you up, mm -hmm. doing his thing, and Hammer would always give you that extra just little great advice to get ready for the game. And I love Hammer. Um, I know everybody loves Hammer. Um, but you go to the you go to the locker room, you go to the training room, you can have your headsets on, they got the sound system, the music playing through the arena. Um, you know, obviously they kept the lower bowl. The lower bowl would be open. They 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 black off the top part of it, um, which was fine. And it's just the right vibe. The lights are different. Like everything's a little bit brighter, and you know that you know that it's it's you you just you just feel better. I don't know. I used to, I love playing. I love playing there. And I was always mad because we were like the first group that finally started playing like eight nine games down there. And then they finally made it. You know, the home court, but. We, I mean, I, look, I love playing on campus, too. There's just a different level of feel about that. But um, for me, and then, we're like, when the big-time teams would come in and we play at the we play at the Pepsi, and I remember um, the late governor, Cuomo, um, they let out the government employees um, early the day that we played Georgia Tech. Um, we sold that bad boy out. I think we were, like, 16,000 strong um, that game. And then Tulane, which was ESPN game, Another sixteen thousand strong man, and and bro, that place was rocking. I mean, the court storming and the vibe was just on 
unbelievable. And you have you have politicians there. You have the whole community there. Yeah. Uh, and then craziness on campus, um, in the quad, outside of Plasma. Actually, um, <laughs> Hennepin. Sorry, Hennepin. Yeah. And uh, man, it was a, it was a, it was crazy. As the kids would say now, it was a movie. Um, so <laughs> so so it was great, man. Um, playing down there was phenomenal. Even when I go back, I haven't been back in the last two years, but I need to get back. But just going down in the, the arena, it, it's a reason. It's look, let's be honest with you, it's probably the reason why I signed there. As much as I love my visit, but I was like, oh, we're gonna play a couple of games down here. Let's go. <laughs> I my bet I see I think my best scoring yeah my career high I think I got it against University of Rhode Island um and they had they had Catino Mobley played in the league yep. um Tyson Wheeler was a point guard played a little in and out of the league played overseas in Europe for a while Antonio Reynolds Dean was another dude played overseas while in the league for a hot second yo I busted I yo I got I, I, I had the high score that game like I know Cat played in the league forever but but you know, I was, I was, you had to show out because, yo, you're seeing it you're mid-major. Yeah. These other dudes are athletic, uh, A-10 conference. You're like, yo, I'm going to show out though. I'm going to let you guys know something. And my parents were staying at the Marriott um, over at Wolf Road, right? That Marriott that's over there. Yep. And um, I went over there after the game and you or I was staying over there. And all the dudes were just giving me crazy love. Just <laughs> that as a mid-major dude, when you go get buckets and let people know, like, Oh, you might not have heard of me, but I'm <laughs> for respect. And you get that respect. You know, it's all about that in basketball. You get that respect. Yeah. Man, it's it's, like it's it. the greatest, greatest feeling. And then I would go down um, to URI's campus, or I'd be in Providence during the summertime, whatever, randomly. And I'd bunt right into those dudes out and about, and they would just still show love. And I'd run into Tyson Wheeler when he was at Clippers camp um, out here um, in LA, and he'd still show me love, you know. And it's, it's, it's just, it's, that arena was everything to bring it all back. That arena was everything. Time to show up. Oh, yeah, that, that's for sure. And I guess to change it, you know, with this year being so uncertain for the team, um, you know, I know they're trying to figure out a plan. I know the TU might be at, like, what is it, Connor, like 15? Uh, I think they're going to be 3,500 if they play at the TU this year. play there or just be on campus, you know. We'll talk about your experience playing on campus. And, you know, obviously it won't be full, but just talk about that experience playing an arc. If you could play, if, if you're not going to have, hmm, because they're, they're going to be good this year. Yeah. But don't you got to remember, that's, that's 3,500 spread out. So that's tough, double levels. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I, would rather, I, I would rather play, I would rather play with 1,000 at the arc. I couldn't agree more. Um, because the arc gets rocking. Man. The arc. When, it's, when, it's, when the arc is jumping and everybody's right on top of you, the arc is – that's a beautiful place to play too, man. <laughs> I, I, I love playing there. We've played some big games there. Um, if you're going to do it now in this environment, I'd rather have 1,000 people at the arc. You come on campus, you pull up, you're about to get beat. You're about to get drubbed. Um, that just is what it is. The arc is nothing nice. Um, with 1,000 people in it, it's loud. Um, it's intimate. The yeah. lights are so bright there. It's intimate. People are right. You can hear. You can hear everyone what they're saying. Um, <laughs> intimate. Nice. The arc is nice. I miss the arc, man. We we played That's, the CBI at the arc, and it was. I mean, obviously the, the first game we played, we got smacked, but <laughs> the, the environment there is just. 
like you said, they heard what was said in the huddles. <laughs> yeah, they heard the, the trash talk. But this, I think the best part was the student section because now it's like, hey, I don't have to get on the bus. I don't have to fight finals. I don't have to fight homework. None of that. It's like, hey, the game's on campus, perfect. I'm 10 steps out of my dorm if I'm in plasma and I'm right there in the student section, you know, going crazy for, for us. And, it, I mean, it helped us. That's why we won a CBI you know, in that third game. Having that yeah. like, it, 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 like you said, you couldn't, no hear, you couldn't hear what's going on. They have no idea what they're about to deal with when we come into the arc. They have no idea. No, none. None. And it, and it helped me because, you know, the, the TU is great and all, but it's still the big backdrop when you shoot. So right, it is. I, I go to this enclosed environment. I'm like, oh. yes, that's music to my ears. Like, that's, right. that's easy. Right. It's funny. Yeah. I, I think I actually shot better at the TU, though, for whatever reason. Um, I don't know why. I think I, I shot threes better down there. But the arc, when you get it going in there, because it is it's just a smaller venue, you have a good backdrop, mm-hmm. man, you can get busy in the arc. And the way you, the way you shoot, <laughs> yo, 22 feet and in, easy. Yeah. Easy. I did, my toes had to be right on the three-point line. You you come up the screen like three feet behind and just let it go. Like, okay, I could never do that. <laughs> but, you know. That's my motto. If I could see the basket, I was in range. Not explaining. <laughs> totally. <laughs> True. What a, uh, yeah, obviously, just talking to you, I can tell the love that you have, not only for Sienna, but the basketball program, which it's – that's why – it's the same with me. You know, I live and diet. Obviously, Ryan does also. But talk a little bit about – where the program is from where it was with you. You know, now they have a practice facility, the upgrades in the weight room, upgrades in the Times Union Center, which wouldn't have come if, if guys like you weren't there, you know, before. So just talk about what, what it means to you to see how far the program's come. Man, it's, it's special um, because when you are, when you're in L.A. specifically and, and people might only hear about your program when March Madness comes around, um, but there's a pride level to it. And when you start with people like, oh, you went to Siena? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I know you guys are in a tournament a lot. Like, that is a huge – makes you feel good about your, about your choice. And then when you see how the program has put the appropriate money behind it, getting the facilities um, to raise a level of facilities, that just lets you know you're going to be able to stay ahead of the rest of the MAC when it comes to recruitment. And even there, there will be some kids that are maybe – maybe are big time that are like, eh, but they're not necessarily the number one guy. They're going to say, I want to have the atmosphere and the feel of big time basketball. So I'm going to go and play at Siena College because of the facilities, because of what you have on campus, because of what you have downtown. And that's a differentiator. Um, it, it allows for the program, I think, to continue to grow in ways that we'll see over these next couple of years. I mean, I hope we can keep, keep Coach Carm around for a while. Um, thankfully he's from that area. So it might be hard to pry him away, um, from that area. He's done a great job, um, thus far. And I think he exceeded expectations, um, last year. And now a little bit more target on your back. People aren't going to be sleeping on Sienna. They're going to be ready for Sienna. Um, got a couple transfer kids in that look, that look tough. They got some young guys that look great. Um, I'm in, you know, they have some veterans that are nice, you know, guys, I mean, guys testing the combine and the draft, which that's always a beautiful thing to just let you know the type of talent that comes to Siena. And it does come on the backs of, you know, for, for us as the guys in the late 80s, as the guys, uh, Tom Herter, um, Bruce Schroeder, uh, Mike Brown, Mark Brown, those guys are before me. Those guys are still like, you know, like are my brothers. They looked out for me when I was on campus there. 
Um, and then you see uh, we, had, we had a pretty good run, at least my first two years or so there. And then Marcus Faison and Corey Osinski and Scott Knapp and Brandon Fields and Jim Catamesa, those guys had kept it going in the, in the 90s into the 2000s. Um, and then you had Dwayne and Prosper and those guys kept it going even when they struggled um, out the gate, but they still find a way to sneak in and play the playing game, which kept the tradition going. And then Fran obviously gets there um, and Fran flips things in, in a level of, um, I like it how Paul Hewitt made, put his imprint on, on the program. Um, and Fran goes and has an incredible run. And the guys that played there, um, you know, Kenny, Ron, uh, well, I'm losing the names, but um, those guys were phenomenal. And then they won big games in the tournament. Um, so it's been an evolution to the program and where it is now that is special. I think it's, um, you know, I, I think I used the early analogy of very Cameron indoor stadium-ish when you play at the Arc. It is like that. Student sex has gotten crazier. I think they know that kids, um, kids come to that school because they know they're going to be able to root for the basketball team. Um, and that's for sure. I've heard from a little birdie that, you know, the, the new president wants to, uh, you know, he's, he has ambitious goals for the program. Um, you know, like Sweet 16, he wants that to be something that's a normal occurrence. Yeah, let's go. Um, that's a beautiful, that's beautiful. And I think that seeing a college 100% can do that. Um, and you're going to get a great education while you're there simultaneously. It's a small environment, which is cool. You know everybody on campus. You have a personal relationship with your professors, um, your counselors, um, the rest of the student body. You're, you're, you, you walk amongst them. You're not better than them. You walk hand in hand. And then you get to, you know, hang out with people at the townhouses, hang out with people at Plasma, Hennepin, and all that. Such a small campus, which is beautiful. Um, and it, it, that's that family atmosphere. So I would love to see it continue to go in the direction where tournament is every year, if not every other year. Um, I don't want to put too much pressure on Karm, but if they can continue to, you know, get there every other year um, and then continue to get good talent, but good student athletes as well, um, who, yes, you're going there to play basketball, you're going there to get a great degree. And then what you do transition-wise after that degree is very important um, too. So I just want to continue to see the program just grow and thrive because I think it's, it's well-positioned to do so. And, and ladies and gentlemen, that's the pitch Jeff Walker gave me, and that's why I end up committing to CNN. <laughs> <laughs> but no, let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let, let's talk about kind of, you know, I, I go back east for prep school um, after after I graduated from Loyola, having you as a coach. And then, um, you know, I'm like, hey, Jeff, Sienna's interested. Hey, Jeff, Sienna offered, like, talk about what that meant for you as, you know, as a little brother uh, of yours to to receive that interest and, and, and offer from Sienna, then obviously reach out to you for, for advice and, and just kind of hear about your experience. And then for those who don't know, you were actually, I invited you to come actually begged you to come because I think he said no the first time on the home visit when, when Mitch came to, uh, to LA because I wanted to be part of it but just talk about how what that meant for you and uh, just to hear that. Um, look for you to get recruited by Sienna um, and then to actually really be considering Sienna at the same time was it was a it was a very proud moment for me because you know I'd always talked about um, the school while coaching you um, and telling the other guys because you know guys in LA they don't have any idea and I'm like yeah these do like, it, the school tradition wise it's you know I might get I might get in trouble for saying because I'm still here in LA but I get there's Pepperdine 
I get that there's LMU. I get all. I get. I get that. Okay. I even get for that matter. I even get that there's UFC basketball. Okay. <laughs> but outside of LA, and if you're going to go play mid-major basketball, if you're cool with leaving LA and you want to play in front of fans, then you're going to go. You're going to choose Siena because you're going to get love when you go there immediately. And then I'm big on broadening your horizons in general. Like, I, I was recruited by Western Michigan University, a big mid-American conference school um, in Kalamazoo, Michigan, where I grew up. I was like, what good is it for me to continue to be around the same people that I grew up with yep. in this community that I actually really know really well? I go, I need to expand my horizon. I don't want to just be a Midwest kid. I want to be a Midwest kid who ends up being an East Coast kid who's now a West Coast guy. Like, I want to know people on all these different coasts. So when it all comes together, I have to continue to build my network out of people, whether it's business or whatever. I know someone that I'm close with in all of these different regions. And thankfully it's worked out that way for me. So I used to tell, you know, guys like yourself, Ryan, like, Hey, if you get an opportunity to go to the East coast of school, take that opportunity. Plus you're at prep school there. There's so many small, great Catholic institutions that play competitive basketball more so than are out here in Los Angeles. And when you said you got recruited, so Mitch started calling me, checking in with me um, around around you, right? <laughs> so he used to hit me like, and there's other things he used to hit me on, like, so how's his, how's his knee? How's his knee? I'm like, <laughs> his knee's good. Like, what, what, what am I going to say? Yeah, his quad might be a little, a little, little, he's got to work, he's got to rehab still, he's going to be fine. Like, like, what am I supposed to say? Like, that's my little bro, and I know once you got healthy, how good you were going to be. So, um, and it worked out that way because Jimmy came in and, you know, after Jimmy with Jimmy's style of coaching and you taking the coaching and then you being, which I would have never thought would have been what you be also became, which was like a defensive dude at the same time. I would have never thought that was going to happen. Um, and you became a defensive guy at the same time. So I was, you know, you, you called me to come to the, the dinner and I, I, I think I might have said no the first thing because I wanted you to get the experience without it being biased and me putting too much on it because I'm sitting in that dinner with you. I didn't ever want you to feel obligated to have to go to the institution that I went to. Um, I just told you what my experience was there and I think it all played out um, very well for you because you chose to go there and thankfully that Mitch recruited you and that you played great at, New at Northfield um, to get the opportunity. And I remember sitting with your mom and your dad and VO, your brother, um in that dinner and then talk with Mitch and talk with Mitch after that and like you know and then you choosing to go there when you signed there man it was big time for me man my little bro was going to my alma mater um you know as as a west coast kid doing that like yeah. that was awesome and and then I, you're back on the east coast now so it's it's <laughs> one of those things where it's like yes this is the reason LA's always going to be here you can always come back home <laughs> but you have great relationships about there. You did great at prep school there. You had a great career at Siena there. Like the reason why I found out you got the job at Northfield was out of the blue, Darge texts me. Like she texts me and tells me that like, that's big, like that's the difference of like that family cares. And I was so happy for you. So that's just, just a, it's an amazing thing. And, I, and I'm just happy that you like, that you listen to me um, in a sense of just giving it a chance, more so just giving it a chance. Like, you're getting recruited by other schools, but just listen to the spiel because I think you're going to have an enjoyable experience. And I think we both agree he picked the right spot <laughs> after all said and done. But 
Yeah, he talks talks really highly about what what you did for him and how you helped him. And he actually, you know, I think it's important that you let with that you said you let him, you know, take the process. You didn't want to be in his ear too much because obviously we would know you would have sent him to Siena if if it was up to you. <laughs> yeah, but, of course, uh, once you go there. But I knew I knew I could heavy handed, but I don't want to be heavy handed. Yeah, you not not at least not right away kind of things. Right. <laughs> but um, it. If you were to go back, obviously everyone, you probably do go back a lot in your life. What, what could I have done differently at Siena? Is there one thing you look back on and said you wish you did differently or something personal you wish you would have got? I mean, things that are not in my control. Um, I just wanted to, I, guys, I, flat out, I wanted to win more. <laughs> um, my first year, I thought it was always going to be gravy from that point on. Um, I wanted to win more. I feel like I put in a ton of work to become a better basketball player while I was there. I feel like I became a better, um, I, I became a man of community. Um, when I was there, I learned a tremendous amount about how to be as a positive person within the community in Albany. It has given me my foundation to everything that I do now in my life. Um, it is also, it's also given me the confidence to walk into any room and not, you know, not be overwhelmed by a moment at all because of the experience that I had at Siena College. Um, you know, I walk it, you know, playing in big arenas, I think was helpful being on TV, um, being interviewed, uh, Roger Weiland and Dan Murphy, I want to say at the time, and um, all these guys are Channel 10 and, you know, NBC and, and then being out in the community of going to go visit kids at hospitals. Um, you know, cool, be cool every now and then, um, going to a restaurant, having people recognize you. It's definitely made, it's made me who I am now this day. I'm not overwhelmed by really any scenario, and nor do I let, I don't let the highs get me too high in my life. I don't let the lows get me too low. I think I handle adversity because I had to deal with challenging and adversity for a kid that's a teenager going as early 20s when you're losing a lot and you're having to step up, um, like, you know, like the questions that, Russ Westbrook and James Harden are being asked and you're doing that as a 19 year old, 18 year old, and you're having to really ask some tough questions. The reporters are hitting you with like, well, what happened here? Why'd you guys do this? What do you feel about this? How you're on your, your it's an eight game losing streak and having to like articulate back to reporters and still trying to stay upbeat and positive because you know, your, your, your teammates going to read that in the paper. You know, your coach is going to read that in the paper you know that the community is going to read that at large in the paper and having to have those challenging conversations have, has made me um, a far better communicator. Um, has made me feel comfortable not being afraid of anything that's thrown at me. I kind of handled that in college um, of negativity. And then look, the flip side is having coaches yell at you also. Like I don't need a lot of attaboys to motivate me. Like I've been screamed on and called some names that I can't even repeat on here. But, and I know Ryan, you have as well. And, <laughs> And I, I, Connor, I know you have as well. So those are things that you don't recognize in the moment that they're helping build you to the adverse you're going to have to deal with in the real world and not in the college bubble um, that Siena College um, prepared me for. And I didn't know that was preparing me for that. But I do know that I am, a, I am the person I am today that wants to give back and wants to help um, people tremendously while I do my business, but every time I'm doing my business, I have my eye on, well, how am I helping and impacting my community? That's a product of my parents and how they raised me. It's a product of, of seeing how Derek Jeter's done his thing. It's a product of being in the community as a Siena College student athlete all the time. 
um, and knowing that the Franciscan tradition itself is very important to wanting to give back um, to the community that you, that you live, that you serve and that you work and that you study in. And so seeing the game in that foundation, I've taken all of that and have done the exact same thing here in Los Angeles. Um, and I wouldn't have been able to do it if it wasn't for Siena College. I love it. I, I love it, Jivok. You know, it's Siena's made all of us into who we are today. And I think that, you know, it, it has a very, very special place in, in our hearts. And like you said, it's the brotherhood. It brings us all together. Um, and yeah, um, I appreciate you for, you know, obviously introducing me to it and it helped me along the way. And then obviously, you know, just with meeting Connor throughout it when I first got there, like it's, it's a special place that really built you up and you have people that's, you know, part of your family, part of the brotherhood for, for a lifetime. And it's, it's definitely great to be a part of. We're going to transition to our quick hitters. Um, we know you're a big time music guy. You know, what's the best era of, of music uh, or, or what do you currently listen to, you know, right now? Yeah, <laughs> I'm so, you know, I'm, I'm so biased. All right, well, listen, look, I spend, I, I listen to a ton of hip hop music. Mm -hmm. um, look, there are some, my, my favorite hip hop guys are Kendrick, J. Cole. Mm -hmm. I tend to lean cerebral, intellectual, social activist rapper more than I lean any other way. Yes, there's a moment for any, you know, there's a moment for Migos song. There's a moment, there's moments for more Drake. Um, but, you know, for me, I grew up um, on Public Enemy, Tribe Called Quest, Backpack Rappers, De La Soul, guys who were rapping and saying things um, that I thought were influential to, you know, me being a proud young black man and growing into a proud black adult. Um, that was very important to me. So I still, I still lean on that. Um, if I'm going to go current, it's definitely Cole and Kendrick. Um, I love YBN Corday. Um, you know, he's been just more recently on the news because of you know Naomi winning the U.S. Open, which is dope. I love seeing that young, beautiful couple together. You know, I dig that. Um, Anderson Park. Um, I'm listening to a lot of Snow Allegra um, as well. Um, I love R&B. I love that soulful vibe to my music. Um, I'm less inclined to listen to the Cardi B's of the world and the Nicki Minaj vibe. Uh, I can go on, I won't go off on a tangent on Cardi B right now, but you know what I'm saying? And um, keep moving there. I think, uh, but I love Rhapsody. Um, I love anything that, uh, that she's put out with Ninth Wonder. Uh, but that's like my, my genesis. I'm very, I'm very much that guy when it comes to hip hop. And then I look, I listen to old soul music. Like you talk to my parents, my parents just had their 50th anniversary uh, back in August, and I, 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 can, I can rattle off, you know, classic albums from Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye. Um, I love Motown Sound. I love Smokey Robinson. Um, I love, uh, I love the, the, the uh, Sister Sledge. Um, I love Parliament. I love James Brown. I love, like, all of that foundational things. And then at the same time, now, those are a lot of Black artists, but then I'm flipping. I'm like, yo, I love Michael McDonald, you know, <laughs> which, which is, you know, Blue-Eyed Soul. Um, I vibe there. I vibe with Elton John. Um, I, vibe, I vibe Guns N' Roses, you know. I grew up in the 80s, so MTV was just hitting the, hitting the mix. So I used to listen to Adam Ant. Um, I, listen to, I listen to pop music. Um, I listen to Hall & Oates. Um, so these are like groups that are folky too, and I, you know, I'll, I'll throw on, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll throw on Jefferson Airplane, Jefferson Starship. Um, so I can go all day long on that Miller <laughs> band, Miller band. Um, you know, I vibe on that, but then I go Afro 
music too. So I listen to Fela Kuti, you know, I go reggae, obviously Bob, um, but I love, I love music. I love music. Um, and somebody had asked me, a producer had asked me, a music producer, guy, guy by the name of Major, who produces stuff for Justin Bieber and a bunch of other artists. And one day we're at a restaurant out here and he's like, what do you like more, sports or music? <laughs> And my initial answer was sports because it's just like the, what I would say. Yeah. And the irony of it is, it's not the truth. <laughs> it's like, it's <laughs> not. I love I love sports, but I'll tell you through this pandemic, the thing that's got me through this pandemic has been music yeah. because sports shut down for a while, and I still didn't feel like I was missing out on things because I have my brother uh, D Nice, aka or Derek Jones, aka D Nice, who's an incredible DJ, um, on his IG Live, who really took IG Live platform to the next level because he's the first one that went super viral um, with it. And he just plays incredible music. So um, that got me through. And, you know, being able to see all these different DJs live on IG has been, it saved me. Now, I, I'm, I'm glad that sports is back. So couple, I now I got my music and my sports together. But when you talk about creating movements, movements and thankfully these these young brothers um and and their and their and their white allies um in the nba and the bubble made a great stance two weeks ago which is tremendous and i'm proud of them i'm, I'm proud of them using their platform um for the right reasons um but there's always a soundtrack to it all and in the 60s and prior to that like music and blues and all those those types of genres of music um, were always a soundtrack to the, the challenges that society, American society, was going through. Um, and soul music being a part of that, and blues being part of that, James Brown being a, a major part of that, Sam Cooke, Otis Redding, like those guys are singing about the, the difficulties that are actually happening in this country. And we have the same thing going on now musically. So when you're, when you're, when I'm feeling, when my emotions and I'm, 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 I'm pent up or I need to, calm myself down i look i guess i could throw on the last dance and watch michael i could do that that might work but if i'm i can't throw on a game and that's not going to bring my emotions down um in any way but music is going to allow my spirit my energy to either go positive or to sit and become a deeper thinker about the current affairs that we're dealing with and finding the right music that's going to fit to where my mindset is at that moment and make me be a better person and make me really start thinking about well, how can I give greater impact to what the social justice issues are right now that we're dealing with. And it's a music thing that gets me ready for that. And it's music that gets me ready back in the day to play basketball. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's like music, long way, long winded. That's not a quick hitter for you, but that's my. <laughs> hey, you're, you're enlightening us all, enlightening us all. But what, what would you say the best restaurant in LA is? Whew. The best, okay, look, the best restaurant in LA? Your favorite, excuse me, your favorite. Okay, so well, that's twofold. All right, so best restaurant in LA is Avra. It's in Beverly Hills. It's incredible. It's in Avra, A-V-R-A. It's incredible. Google it to anybody that's going to watch it. It's incredible. Um, and then my favorite play, other is Craig's is great as well. Um, Dan Tanner's is an iconic old school spot. You go in there and get some incredible um, Italian food and like you're thrown back to like the sixties. It's beautiful. Um, and then Taylor's Steakhouse, which is uh, over here in downtown LA is old school steakhouse, which is great. I just wish that they're all open in the way that they used to be open. But once we get this 
COVID thing in hand, I will be back to a couple of those rounds. <laughs> Auburn, not as much because it's expensive, but everybody, everybody else, I'll go. Nah, I feel that. I'm, I'm, I mean, I live in LA and I haven't been to a couple of those. So I'm going to definitely uh, put the older on this for sure. And I, I'm going to hit you when I go too and make sure we go together. <laughs> yes, exactly. I got you. What about, uh, what about Capital Region? What was your go to spot to eat uh, when you're in college or if you come back and visit? <laughs> Saga? (laughs) (laughs) Old reliable. That free 99, I feel that. (laughs) Uh, And then it was I Love New York Pizza when we would get over to Troy Mm -hmm. um, because we go to the bars every now and then. So we get a a couple slices. Um, Old Flats. I don't even know if Old Flats is even there anymore. Old Flats was an Irish spot. They had like 10-cent wings. They actually – they had drinking with Lincoln, and then, which was literally a nickel beer, a draft beer, and then 10 cent wings. Wow. And yeah, I went to like Monday nights. Um, there's another spot we used to go to, uh, Miracles, and then I'm losing. There's a spot. Um, what's, my, what's my steak spot down that Darge sent me to when I was there a couple years ago? 677 Prime? Yeah. Which one is it? 677 Prime? Yes, yes, bro. <laughs> incredible amazing <laughs> I, I, incredible it, it's, it's that so in my post-college days that restaurant because i stayed downtown um a couple times i've come through there and i've eaten there multiple times and it's uh, i'll stack that place up against many a steakhouse that i go to oh. yeah delicious unbelievable their dessert was crazy too so yeah 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 good stuff <laughs> who, uh, who do you personally think? Oh, in Saratoga, by the way, Saratoga Racecourse. I go eat anywhere there. Saratoga Racehouse. Yeah, uh, actually, you're right. There's a lot of good places up there. Just we're closed, obviously, all all summer wide. Yeah, it's crazy. Who do you uh, who do you personally think the best Santa basketball player ever is? Best Santa basketball player of all time is Mike Showbiz Brown, um, and then. Doremus, because I play with him, he's a close second. Um, and then you asked me, you only asked me for one, but you know, Showbiz, he could play in any era. Like right now, so the way the game is played right now, Showbiz and Doremus would have been in the league and been in the league for a long time. Um, D was pulling up from 26, 27, like Steph back in the early 90s. Um, and the difference was, though, that was during the era where it was all about big guards, though, at the next level. Like, all guards were, like, point guards, like, 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. So, during the slide of build, and Mark was – sorry, Mark Brown was a little bit slide of build as well. But uh, Mark was nice. Showbiz was a problem. And I talked to guys, my brother's age, that were on the East Coast at the same time. Showbiz was a problem. Problem. He would give any of the – he would give any of the dudes that, that came through that run – um, with Kenny, Ron Moore, and Tay, problems, problems. Who's the young fella, the young PG there now? Problems. <laughs> Yo, this dude Biz was crazy. He was crazy. The dude's nickname was Showbiz. No one's had a dope nickname like that in the history of the program since then. That's very true. <laughs> he had his own T-shirts. They were printing T-shirts for him. It was banana. I know it's before you guys' times, before my time. That dude 
was a problem. Yeah, nah. Yeah, we. Is he still leading score? Um. Yeah. One or two. Yeah, I think he's still leading score. Yeah. Yeah. Like eight hundred points. I'm crazy. They used to they used to pull out those VHS to show us videos of them. <laughs> I know they need to tra- they need to transfer all of that stuff and put that on digitizer because showbiz was a problem. That's all I can say. He's amazing. Yeah. Then for me, Dream next, Dream was an incredible guard. He was unbelievable too. I mean, Siena was a guard. Siena has actually always been like a guard school. Now that I think about it, it's like it's like Capital Region kind of like PG University, you know. <laughs> um, so it's a because they got nothing but great guards. I mean, what how what's is Kenny still playing over in um where's Italy. he at right now? In Italy? Italy. Yeah, I mean Kenny could flat out go, go man. Um, that that crew was crazy. Those dudes were good, man. <laughs> I would say okay. Now if you're gonna say what if you're gonna go by team, that group. Was Edwin Ublis in that era? No, Edwin. Yeah, it was. It was Kenny. It was Kenny, Ron, Eddie, Al, and Ryan. Yo, yeah, because Rossiter, right? Yo, yeah. that—that's the best era of seeing a basketball team-wise. Mm-hmm. But best player is Mark Brown. That group, those dudes, <laughs> man. Yeah, I think many. Those dudes- and agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, yeah, those dudes were nice. Nah, that, that's that's what's up. What um started on that team too. So anyway, that's all for the conversation. Another time. Was uh was there a player you modeled your game after, growing up? Uh, like growing up in high school. Yeah. Man, I still, I, I to this day, I still do the same damn fadeaway shot. Like, it's funny. Like, I laugh, I laugh at my scout report. Like, oh, he's going to turn over his right shoulder and fade away in the post. Oh, he's going to drill. If he goes left, he's going to go one, two, three hard dribbles and pull up 17 feet and shoot that. If he goes right, he's probably going to get all the way to the rack. Like, my scout report was pretty, was pretty simple. But <laughs> the fadeaway, because fade I still play the same way now when I do play, um, the fadeaway – was very MJ based upon MJ. The rest of my game was not MJ. <laughs> so, but, but it was more, like, I was pretty efficient with my dribbles, man. I wasn't a dude who's gonna sit around there and handle the rock a bunch, man. I was gonna get to my spots. You give me if I'm on the right wing, I'm getting hard, hard two dribbles to 17 foot right off that elbow pull up jumper. If I'm on the left wing, I'm going left hard baseline and pulling up and probably fading a little bit off of that. Um, if I'm I, I played the trail a lot, so. You know, I walked into many a trail three. Um, so I was a I was a shorter stretch four before stretch four became a thing, I guess. I don't know if I patted my game off of anybody, um, per se. Okay. Um, there wasn't any guys necessarily before me at school who played the way I played. Um, I wanted to rebound like Lee Matthews, who was an iconic rebounder there. So I rebounded like Lee Matthews. I tried to shoot it my own way. Um, and I talked junk like – that's just what I did. So, <laughs> pat it up. Crazy. <laughs> What's the uh, – what, what would you say the best arena you've ever played in or been to? Madison Square Garden, hands down. Played in multiple times in my career. Loved it. There was nothing better than walking to the garden. <laughs> nothing better than um, going down there and playing. When we played NIT, we had like – might have been 17,000 there that night. And, we, and they, we came out the locker room. They were all screaming for us. Nothing better than Madison Square Garden. Lost in Manhattan a couple times in, in the garden. But, um, man, Whew. 
Regardless, <laughs> and I know everyone says this, but it's the truth. There's nothing like playing at the Mecca of basketball. Yeah. Jesus, man. <laughs> yeah. What was the most points you ever scored in a game? I think it was 27 at Rhode, uh, against Rhode Island. I think it was 27 was my career high. I think. Um, I probably, I mean, I probably, I had multiple, my senior year, I had multiple 20 point games of like 13 rebounds okay. and I, and I just was a position rebounder. I wasn't like the greatest athlete in the world, like a verticality, but I just had a knack. I think since I was a kid, I always had a knack for knowing when the ball's going to go off the rim. So I used to get a gang of rebounds. I had a bunch of double doubles. <laughs> I wasn't Ryan Rossiter level double doubles, but I had a bunch of double doubles. Um, that guy was a walking double double. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely, uh, I think twenty seven. If you uh, if you could choose one Sienna Saint uh, person you didn't play with that you wish you could have, who would it be? <laughs> I mean, I just I just gloated about it the last. <laughs> um, I would love to play with Mark Brown. And <laughs> Shocker, I know. And then I would love to have played with that group, Edwin, Ron, Tay, and and just been look, look. I wouldn't, have, I would have got my eight points, twelve points maybe a game. Been fine with that. I would have guarded the other team's best player. Been fine with that. Um, and that would have been it. I would have loved to play with those guys. That would have been fun. And I would have played with those guys. Like I know, I know you guys are like he wasn't good. I would no, play with. I, I, I know. I, I I know. I've heard a lot about you. <laughs> I think I you would have held your own. <laughs> yeah, I would have held my own. The record, my own. Book, the record book speaks for itself, man. Yes, a thousand and seven hundred plus. You know, so I, yeah. I, I know yeah. the vibe. I know the vibe. Yeah, thirty percent win percentage. <laughs> <laughs> they don't keep track of that, so you're good. They don't. They don't. They don't. That's true. That's true. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So, um. So again, we're we're you know still in, new in the game of the podcast game. Um, mm-hmm. We've had some great guests on, um, like yourself. Uh, name one person that you would love to see as a guest um, on on the show. You know who's a really good. Well, I'm gonna give you two. Okay. <laughs> um, because it would really be cool if you guys got Coach Carm. He's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I I didn't really know Carm. I've had some incredible conversations with him since our. Summertime, I actually owe him a text back. Um, he's a great – he just – he embodies what Sienna is. Hard worker. Kind of under the radar. But is going to – is going to um, put his foot in your back if he needs to because he's going to just go hard. Unheralded, unheralded about it. Get it done. Get in, get it done, and get out get a W, not talk a bunch about it next game. Like, he's that. And I think that's what Sienna is overall. Um, and he just represents it so well. So I'd love for you guys to get Coach Carm. And then player-wise, um, for me, it's like guys like – I love – like, I love this list of Dwayne Archibald and Prosper talk. Prosper would be great because Prosper would give you some perspective on the NBA and what Orlando did as well. Um, I think Marcus Faison is incredible. Um, look, get all of, man, get get just get those dudes, man. Those guys are those guys are great young men. And gosh, I guess Marcus isn't even that much younger than me, but I feel like he's still he's still like my little bro. Um, 
But those guys have done some things on the basketball court and at CNN. And they, and they won a lot. And they literally helped build that foundation of what Fran was able to um, inherit because of the work that those guys did prior to it. So I would, I would like to say, you know, any one of those guys. I guess Coach Carmen then naps up there. Just got a nap on. Nap's a good – nap's funny. He dry humor funny. Uh, so Nap would be good. He'd be able to take you to the Paul Hewitt era um, as well because he came in after we had already started losing. So he came in and, and, and righted the ship. We got, we got, yeah, we're we obviously new to it. So we're just take, we're taking down a list, trying to get everyone on we can. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of guys you want to get on, a lot of guys uh, obviously with how, how extensive – Siena basketball history is there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot. oh there's a lot you guys should get I mean if you can you should get Tom Herter you know who's dad, who's dad to Kevin yep. um, and I mean I see Tom invited me out to uh, when Kevin was at EYBL back uh, out in Santa Monica years ago when Kevin was was still junior going into a senior I think of high school and Kevin was nice then I mean he was on a squad <laughs> squad was him LeBron and AD, I think they're playing pickup. Man, Kevin was shooting the shit off that thing, man. And he's a good guy. He's a good kid. I'm just yeah. happy that he's the best. I'm in Atlanta. He's a good kid. Jeez. And so Tom Hurd is great. If you can get him because he's old school, and then you know, you never know. You might get that. You might get that Herder plug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but we definitely appreciate your time. Thank you. You know, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, also, if you got definitely tune into um, the other podcast that Jeff has, it's in the paint on Spotify and iTunes, correct? And also yeah. on social media on Instagram, in the paint pot at in the paint podcast. Um, thank you very much for joining us, Jeff. We really appreciate it. Obviously, very unique stories uh, with the connection with Ryan. I know this is one of the one of the guys he had circled. He really wanted to get on, so we appreciate your time and. Uh, if, there, if there's anything we can ever do for you, I don't know what we could, but we'd love to help out and, and likewise kind of thing, but definitely appreciate your time. Appreciate you. Hey, guys, thank you so much. Um, Ryan, thanks for having me on. Connor, man, pleasure to meet you. Um, nice look, great. obviously, the, the, the extension is the same. Whatever I can help you guys with as well, um, just let me know. Um, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to me. I know I rambled on a lot. My mother <laughs> called in and threw off the hole. Um, but I love you, Mom. Um, but I love this to see in the community who does listen to this. Um, look, you guys are in a special community. Everybody keep on looking out for each other. Stay healthy, stay safe, um, and have each other's backs, man. We are in an interesting time in this country and in this world right now. Let's try to stay positive. Let's keep on building allyship. And let's keep on building a brotherhood and a sisterhood that's going to help us be a better Siena community going forward and then being a better country going forward. Absolutely. No better way to say it than you did kind of thing, but definitely appreciate your time and make sure you subscribe on all your pot, wherever you listen to podcasts and on our social media. Uh, that's another episode. Thank you. Appreciate you, G. Yeah.